I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. You join me, Charlie and Ash, Billy, Rosa and Tom in pretty jubilant mood with Conte's crafty Spurs putting three past a knackered and very quiet West Ham. We'll of course be picking out things we loved and the odd thing we didn't from that derby victory. We'll be plucking up the courage to look at the run-in and making a few predictions. Uh, We want to talk Spurs women in a big week for them. And of course, we'll be offering up some new culture picks. Right, let's get into it. Um, West Ham, I want to talk first about the atmosphere at the stadium for that game. Um, Tom, Billy and Ash, you guys sit in the South Stand. Rosa and I are up in the West. Um, it sounded amazing down in the South for that one. Um, Tom, how was it? Yeah, it was a, a hell of a lot of fun, particularly after the third goal went in although I, I was so it felt like that period lasted quite a while and then I realized today that Son the Son's goal was the 88th minute so actually we had about <laughs> eight minutes um from all from, of which by the way Emerson Royale has documented in yeah. um Billy I know you wanted to shout out sorry Tom to dive in but I feel like just whilst I remember uh arguably sort of social media post of the of the decade from Emerson Royale today yeah, I mean, he's done this twice in a row now. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter or Instagram. Um, he's had like two cameo appearances and then done like a highlights reel of them both. And like <laughs> half of the highlights video is him running onto the pitch and the other half is like him walking off the pitch. <laughs> and then like there's a couple of bits in between. One of the one of the, the scenes, the highlight scenes, is him getting up off the floor <laughs> from the, next to the referee. And he's like, there's, I'm, I'm literally just watching it now. And there's, um, there's a bit where he like takes a header off Kane, which Kane would have almost definitely scored as well. Like the audacity of this guy to have these videos. And I wonder whose job it is to make these videos. He must like think, how have I landed this job? Gets to like make a 30 second clip of all of Emerson's touches every week. Must be like a dream, dream job for a video editor, really. Yeah, I just can't believe this guy. But it's maybe it's funny, it? maybe it's what they're making Lucas Mora do now. He doesn't really do much else. Um 
just gets his buddy. Honestly, to do watch it. it just just for the bit where he literally just gets off the floor. That's one of his highlights of the game, <laughs> apparently. He's got his own logo as well, right? Like royal. He, yeah, he does. With like he a comes crown. Out with a logo, yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel a bit bad bit. for him because I, I get the sense that he's one of those players that they all really love. And whenever we celebrate a goal, I feel like he's always like well in the mix, and everyone's like happy to have a cuddle from Royale. Um, anyway, I digress massively. Apologies for that. Tom, talk to me about, just talk about the cats as well, right? Because that was, I couldn't really make out from uh, where I was up in the up in the gods in the West End what those orange things were bouncing around until um, I looked at a few messages. But that was, that was pretty amazing. It all went pretty brilliantly, didn't it? The, the two early goals. And then, yeah, at some point, I remember seeing one of the inflatable orange cats in the South Stand. And then I sort of, um, you know, was watching the football, looked back and there were about 20 just bouncing <laughs> around the South Stand. And at that point I was like, oh, shit, yeah, this is about Zuma. Amazing. Um, and there was a, someone shared a photo afterwards. Didn't someone have a sign saying Zuma shags cats, Kurt Zuma shags cats. So it all went amazingly. He got he conceded that uh, own goal for the first goal. But I, I do also have to admit that, after they scored to the point where we got our third, I was just like so tense and nervous. I think we controlled the game really well, but I just hate West Ham so much um, that I couldn't help but feel like genuinely physically sick. The worst bit being when Son conceded that corner um, before the third goal and he thought it was going out for a goal kick and the ref gave a corner. And I honestly was like, okay, this is it. They're going to equalise. Um, so I was quite stressed, but yeah, 88th minute on, what a party in the South Stand. I've got a sore head today. Uh, there was a lot of singing Antonio and West Ham get battered everywhere they go. Um, <laughs> I think everyone who left that stadium then got quite carried away in the pubs afterwards. Um, Ash, how was it for you? Yeah, it was great. I was actually very chilled. The whole time, that corner aside, I, I honestly felt like we were in full control the whole game. Um, we had so many chances. We should have scored like five or six goals. We were so much better than them. Um, Son had a few. Region had so many chances to score, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but yeah, I felt pretty chilled. Like I genuinely thought we were great and like didn't hear a peep from the fans all game. They were just really, really quiet. Yeah, like if, if we can keep that atmosphere up like for the rest of the season, like I know we'll talk about it in a bit, but yeah, who knows where we'll finish. Mm. Um, I'm glad, Ash, that you did raise that corner because while you are claiming to have been sort of completely chilled throughout, you did message us saying, I'm going to vomit um, when that corner that was, was conceded. So. That was Tom. Oh, was it that, Tom? That was okay. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> as, the, as time went apologies, on apologies apologies Ash what a, what a I, terrible uh, I honestly to, felt so right? sick fine. so sick <laughs> um, Rosa. guys I've now missed uh, the Everton 5-0 and the West Ham 3-1 am I not allowed to go back for the rest of the season I think you know the answer to that Rosa it's just it's for the best I feel yeah that do you know what it's it's better for everyone all around isn't it like my peace of mind your peace of mind um I miss I actually ended up being able to watch the second half because it was as you all know it was my daughter's fifth birthday party but because the game was late and obviously by like four o'clock all the kids have just like 
you know, just either like crying or like asleep on the floor. Um, so we made it home in time to watch the second half. So I missed all of the like really, really, really good football. And we switched on in time for like what sounds like it was probably like the only 10 minutes of West Ham possession. But those were like an unbelievably stressful 10 minutes. So I didn't really enjoy much of what I saw, except for that one like that like wild Bentoncourt clip that's been doing the rounds on social media today of him just doing like some crazy like Crife turned stuff like just outside our own um, area. And I remember like watching that happening, just thinking, oh my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then when once it's done, you're like, that made perfect sense. I feel like I could see that coming from a mile away and it's all totally fine. So just like a shout out to Bentoncourt for that, like unbelievable bit of like skill that also gave me a heart attack. I um, It reminded me of uh, those early days of Dembele before you knew that it was safe to trust him in those situations. And, you know, he would get the ball with his back to goal. He would have like three attackers bearing down on him. And yeah, he would sort of try and turn past them all. And you were like, what are you like what are you doing who is this madman and then of course we understood that it was completely fine because sort of Musa had it under control and I but guess we're just gonna have to learn fine. yeah That's I suppose yeah we like forget, it, it did we take a few years yeah. where it was genuinely quite scary and he did quite often do that thing of just holding onto the ball like a fraction too long and someone would come and nick it off him mm. and then eventually he turned into like an absolute machine but I think Bentacle's probably you know, slightly like he's more advanced along that. Yeah, he definitely has his moments. I mean, I mean, I I love him. I really love him, and I I think he's raised the level of our team significantly within what like eight games. But he's definitely got the odd stray pass. He's definitely got the odd sort of slight linger on the ball that can get it nicked off him. But what I do love about him, and I think he proved that in the West Ham game, was that when he does make an errant pass. He's so quick across the ground to sort of cover, just to get back and nick, nick back possession or make a block or get himself between, you know, man and ball. He's, he's really, really good at recovering. And that, that, I think, stands him in good stead for the Premier League. He's one of those players who really wants to make amends when he loses the ball, mm. doesn't he? He really he chases after whoever, um, whoever's got the ball. Uh, both him and Romero sort of pass it about a bit at the back, don't they? And and you're quite like, you're, you've got to try and stay calm, but it is worrying at times. Um, and was... Romero had an excellent game, didn't he, against West Ham? Oh, I know, Billy, you were a huge fan of Romero's performance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's probably his best game for us, to be honest. Um, he was just unbelievable. But um, it's because in the past two games where we played West Ham, we've had a terrible time with Antonio. Um, he's like such a difficult player to defend against. So if you saw that Sevilla match, but they couldn't handle him at all. And um, it's the first time we've like proper fronted him. And like the amount of times he put him on the floor was unbelievable. It was so good. Um, I think that's what you've got to do with Antonio. You've got to battle him face on, um, which is what Romero did. And he came out on top of that battle, which not many players, if you go head to head with Antonio all game, you're not going to end up doing that. So yeah, it's really good. But also like just his general play is just unbelievable. Like where he carries out defense, he kind of, He's all over the pitch all of the time. He's just such a quality player. And to be honest, I still can't really believe that we have him. So good. He's um he's linking up really well on the right with uh um well I was gonna say with with, with Doherty, who I think he does help out massively, but I think that sort of fledgling partnership he seems to have with Kulu as well, where he does these lovely little chip balls forward for Kulisevsky and 
they just both have that calmness on the ball to not just sort of hammer it out. They seem to be able to kind of stay composed and or Romero seems to be able to find him more often than not. Um, Kulisewski was excellent again, wasn't he? Tom, he was brilliant. Yeah, there was that uh, moment for the quite early Son one where he hit the post, um, where Kulisewski made such a brilliant run and... The ball, again, like Dembele, the ball just sticks to his feet and he doesn't lose it. He's sort of physically imposing. And yeah, he was he was excellent. We've got a um, shout out Son and Kane though as well because that telepathic understanding that they have mm. was really on show again, wasn't it? And um, yeah, like Son, he wasn't good against United, but he did uh, clearly answer his, uh, his critics in that game. I mean, it's bonkers to me that that Sonny is the second leading goal scorer in the Premier League. Like, it's it's mad, and and even does... Kane now is on level goals with Ronaldo and Mane on twelve in the it's, league. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. Um, yeah, and Kane was sort of had a weird game, I thought, because some of his some of his passing radar seemed to be kind of not quite on it, and yet he basically assisted three goals. He had two really, really, really good chances that he passed up, which you would expect him to put away at least one. But I think that just speaks to the amount of chances that we're now creating. And Ash, I mean, you were saying earlier, like we're just a transformed team in terms of when we go forward now, we just look like we're actually going to score. Yeah, I mean, I said earlier in the text group, like I thought, and it's weird to say because he set up every goal, but like his passing was like a bit all over the shop yesterday. And that was like mm. really evident in the fact that he like nearly gifted West Ham a goal. Um, <laughs> yeah, forget about that. Scored, which was just mental. Um, and he kind of, there were so many times where, and I know West Ham were like really run down and tired where he had an easy through ball and it, it didn't quite connect. Um, and we switched to make like five or six clear cut chances. So, mm. Since Kulisevsky's come in and Benton Core, we just look like an amazing attacking force. And we've sort of closed the goal difference um, to Arsenal on the other side. So, yeah, who knows where that like leads at the end. But I think we were miles off before. And then those couple of results have like put us in like really good shape. So, yeah, yeah I'm seeing like all the patterns of play and like, playing out from the back that we thought we were getting when we got this manager. Um, mm. And I just love the manager. And so did the yes. crowd. Everyone was like really behind him all game. I think I think Billy, you were saying it's sort of the first, not the first time, but the maybe the truest sense yet that we are becoming a proper Conte team, right? Yeah, I think so. And I I know we we keep saying this every week, but I think once we get the fullbacks properly sorted, we're going to be a serious, serious force. But already the amount that he's done to this team. I mean, if you remember not that long ago, we went three games without having a single shot on target. And now we're sort of carving <laughs> out like, I think we carved out 17 chances. When you consider West Ham are an extremely well-organised team as well, they're very difficult yeah. to, to score against in the first place. And there were times in the second half where they, I think was, they had like a 15-minute spell. We just couldn't get anywhere near them. Um, you know, it was a great win yesterday. But they're, they're a decent side, especially a David Moyes side. And it's not easy to, to create 17 chances against a David Moyes side. is, is very, very decent. Um, yeah, and I just think like the way that, you know, the, Reggie had chances all game. Um, and the way that he's got the front free play and it's just, it's incredible to watch. Like there, it just feels like Kulisescu is maybe like the missing piece because I think, you know, we all love Lucas Mora, but so many of our attacks are breaking down. And if you're in a Conte system where you need to like know your, 
exactly what to do, exactly when to make the run, exactly when to play the pass. I just don't think it quite works for Lucas Moura because he's so chaotic. And that's why we love him because he's got that work rate and everything, energy. But like Kudasevsky has just got the football intelligence on another level to Lucas Moura. And I think everything's just sort of start to slot into pace. So it's really, really good to watch yesterday, the football. But also it's not just the front three, is it, in terms of the attacks because it re- or even just the wing backs because I feel like what is starting to work really well is like the other defenders get forward as well, mm. which while is, that's quite terrifying to watch as a Spurs fan and that's definitely going to take some time to feel calmer about, it's actually like amazing to see like, uh, like all of our central defenders kind of end up in the box and to feel like there's fluidity in the team that if they go forward, other players go back. It just, yeah. it really felt like we were like bombarding their goal, which has just not been true for so long. Yeah, and on that note, I just want to shout out Ben Davis as well. I thought he had a really good game yesterday because he kind of, he's a bit of a sort of unsung here at the moment. So he kind of, you kind of get the usual Ben Davis points. Yeah, <laughs> where he doesn't do anything particularly right or anything particularly wrong. So he kind of goes under the radar. But I thought there was a couple of times yesterday where he was like overlapping Reg and like, uh, crossing into the box and stuff like Rose was saying like um, yeah I thought it was his best game for a while as well to be honest he's he excellent I, yeah. I wanted to shout him out as well because he does what he does so like he quietly just gets on with it and he's really steady and solid and he's playing in a position where you know he's not he's, he hasn't usually played for Spurs he spent most of his Spurs career at left back and yeah, he's been so good. It seemed like Bentoncourt was kind of covering for the centre backs at times as well. When, like, on when the centre backs were flying forward, he was the one who kind of stayed back on mm. corners and set pieces and things as well. But that's exactly what we've needed and what we and what we haven't had, and that's that's why the defence is better. I mean, there's I still think there's quite a lot to work out with the defence, especially on set pieces. Um, it's felt fairly inevitable that we would concede from a corner. Like I like I don't know what they need to do. Just work on it more, please. But to have stronger, more competent players in the middle just gives it's it is like when we got even before we got Dembele and Wanyama, when Dyer slotted into the midfield yeah. um, in Potch's second season and everybody just looked calmer. Mm. Ash, were you gonna um add something yeah, about general calmness? Yeah, I was going to just mention Dyer and like shout him out. And I know that we've gone through like nearly every member of the team <laughs> and like saying how well they're played. But honestly, since he's come back, we just look better. And yeah. I think it, it's weird to like not talk about him more because he's probably having his best ever season. Um, it's shocking us. he's not in the England squad. It's shocking. When you see the names yeah. that have been called up, it's, it blows my mind, truly. But I'm delighted he's not playing for England because I don't yeah. want any of our players going around this international break. I want them at home like, chilling out so it's good but he does honestly deserve to like play international football because he's playing the best football he's ever played yeah and on that note we must be like the only team that could have a player that's suspended for two international games still travel to the other side of the world for, like Argentina it's just ridiculous that Romero is still going to those Argentina games even though when they've already qualified as well they've already qualified and they've already qualified it's just it's just crazy I know they're going like all out to like build up this whole World Cup winning thing but that like, you just don't need to do that, do you really? Um, I just want to shout out Tottenham yesterday in general because I haven't seen the high road and like the pubs and everything like that for ages. Um, I think from what I can sort of remember, I, I think it's like been the best weather we've had at Tottenham since maybe post-lockdown because I haven't really remembered like a proper sunny game like that where everyone was out. Mm. Um, a few of the pubs on the high road were stopping, letting people in. Like the ground was absolutely buzzing before and after. 
Um, yeah, it's good to see Tottenham like that again. So I don't know in my in my head anyway. It's been a long time since we've had like a summer in Tottenham. Really good. Yeah, I agree, and I think. Yeah, it felt like the stadium needed that. It felt like Conte kind of needed that sort of win at home as well. Cause I know we beat West Ham in the League Cup and he's had a few stirring victories, but not really a sort of signature win against a proper good team, a, a proper rival. So, yeah, just a really nice day. I feel like we should spend a couple of seconds just talking about a few iffy things. Rosa mentioned the set pieces, which is... I mean, considering we've just spent a fair bit of time talking up, you know, Romero, who looks like, you know, one of the league's best defenders, Dyer's been terrific. And in open play, Dyer's like a magnet to the ball. He just, you know, seems to be heading away everything. And yet, can anyone put their finger on why we look like a sort of under nines team when it comes to defending corners? I saw an interesting tweet. I think it was from Nathan, actually. Um, he was, I think he was sort of alluding to the fact that without Lucas Moura, we struggle a lot without set pieces. I think, you know, as obviously the amount of positive impact we've had from Kulisevsky coming into the team is much far outweighs anything like that. But um, I think we've basically lost one of our best headers of the ball. And um, we just don't really have that many players that are like dominant in the air because, you know, Romero, for how good he is on the ground and everything... He's not particularly dominant in the air. Like Dyer is pretty decent. Um, Kane is obviously like outstanding in the air, and he's probably our best set piece defender in the whole team. But we don't really have that many guys that go and attack the ball for set piece. And also, we don't. I don't think we have a goalkeeper that really is commanding from set pieces either. To be honest, it just might be one of those things that we'll just have to live with for a little bit. But I just, I don't think you can leave Sun sort of like vulnerable in those situations either. It felt like he was kind of out on his own. So he's the one that's that's meant to be covering, but you like it's just you can't ask him to do that. It's ridiculous. So maybe this is just have, like work with what you have. Don't ask players who who are like clearly not capable of doing something to do it. I've got no um, answers in terms of how we should be defending corners better, but I'm still pissed off at Doherty for giving away that corner. Oh, my God. By literally just suddenly not being able to control a football. It was it was a real comedy moment, him giving away that uh, that corner. It was right in front of us in the south stand. It was appalling. Um, That's it. I mean, if, I... you can't, if you can't defend from a set piece, try not to concede them, I guess. <laughs> Exactly. And yeah, like <laughs> as Ash touched on, Regalon was also had some pretty bad moments yesterday as well. So we're all praying for new fullbacks in the summer uh, who are just whoever Conte wants, I'm great with. I guess, yeah. I mean, it sort of that's, hits the nail on the head in terms of the other issue with this team is that we are playing within a system for a coach who sort of lives and dies by the quality of the wing backs. And somehow, because we have excellent players in other positions and Conte's a really good coach, we're, you know, we're figuring it out. But it just, I just think the standard of those two wing backs, whichever of the four play versus pretty much the rest of the team now is such a stark difference that I'm kind of like amazed that we're even persisting with this formation really when they are so, so, so vital to how you actually play football. Um, yeah, I think those two chances that, that Reggie had sort of just sum up the issues that he has, you know, when he's required to show any sort of, you know, composure on the ball or do anything decisive in the opposition's box. He just doesn't seem to have the sort of mental fortitude to be able to handle it. 
Um, one, of them was, one of them was pathetic, though. He, he just fell over. Down and, like, for no reason. And I, I still don't understand, like, what on earth he was doing and then had the audacity to sort of, like, look for a pen. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm just still confused. I need to see it again, but it was just quite weird. Mm. And yeah, they just they just get such good ball now, the wing backs. Like the way that Kane's playing, particularly in that sort of drops deep, sort of slings those quarterback style passes into space for the two wing backs to bomb on and get. You know, they could be like, you know, getting eight. I was someone said to me on Twitter today, like, imagine like a 2001 Christian Zieger playing in this team. He'd score like 25 goals, like an actual proper wing back who could shoot would just like fill their boots every game it'd be incredible hopefully in the summer like yeah that's that's got to be sort of targets one and two have to be new new wing back surely one um, very minor gripe that relates to that as well is that I think um especially second half especially uh in the south stand I had Kulu coming straight straight towards me um and I think He's adapted really well to uh, spotting Kane and Son and playing some really great passes into Kane, especially. But I do think Kane could look for Kulu more. And I think there were a couple of times where Kulu was making a very nice run on the right alongside him and Kane made the pass to Regulon or Doherty instead. Um, and the those, yeah, the fullbacks are so frustrating. I think... Um, yeah, maybe Kane, Kane especially needs to realise Kulu's there a bit more. I guess he's just used to looking for Son and that works brilliantly. Yeah. But, um, I would love, uh, it's a shame Kulu didn't get his first home goal yesterday as well. Because hopefully it would have sparked his chant being sung properly. And particularly now we know that he loves his chant. It feels um, only surely a matter of time before he does get that goal and we can all sing ABBA in the stadium. Billy, did you moment. come up with that one? Did not come up with that one, no. Um, I think there's a shout-out guy called Capri on Twitter who came up with that one. But, um, yeah, it was. It did. I don't know if you kind of heard it in Skyers and Southstone. It did kind of get going, like, a tiny little bit in the Southstone. When he, uh, I think it was when he set up Kane and Kane missed that chance. Um, got going a little bit. It didn't quite kick off. I think it's waiting for that first goal yeah. um, at home, and then I think it'll really kick off. But in, in all of the pubs that I went to, I went to, I did a few different pubs yesterday and in all of them it was really going off in the in the pub so I think it's going to be like one of our big chants which is what we've needed for a long time to be honest big time um well let's let's continue in our sort of looking to the future we're going to talk about something a little different um while we very much want everyone to enjoy the international break and not spend too long doing what we've spent some time ourselves doing today it is our job, of course, to put ourselves through the ringer for you, our loyal listeners. Um, and in this case, that's to try and predict what will happen in the run-in. Uh, we asked each other to predict the scores for us, Arsenal and Man United's remaining games and see where that would leave us. Um, we've all gone pretty bold in terms of feeling confident about Spurs. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to go through how everyone ended up sort of voting basically so starting with ash ash has man united in sixth with 68 points spurs in fifth with 69 points and arsenal in fourth with 72 points billy has united in sixth with 68 
Arsenal in fifth with 70 and Spurs storming into fourth with 75 points. We in Billy's, we, we win all of our games apart from Liverpool, which we lose. Um, I've gone Liverpool, sorry, I've gone Man United sixth with 68 points. Arsenal fifth with 72 and Spurs in fourth with 73. Uh, Rosa has gone, sorry, has gone Man United with 69 in sixth. Um, and then she's got Arsenal and Spurs joined at 73 points. We were going to force Rosa to go through each match for both teams. We could work out the goal difference, but um, that's far too cruel. Uh, and then Tom has got United in sixth as well. So a clean sweep of us being pretty confident that United are going to finish in sixth. Um, 67 points for them. He's got Spurs with a pitiful 68 points. Tom's got the lowest uh, Spurs tally points-wise. And then Arsenal have 73. Um, that was really hard to do, wasn't it? Um, Rosa, I think you should go first for your... Did you kind of have any inkling that you were going to end up with Arsenal Spurs level on points when you were adding up? No, it was a complete accident. I went through it all um, under sort of like duress, to be honest, because I hate doing this sort of thing. Um, I thought, okay, fine, I'll go through it all. And I sat there with Ollie and we and we did it. And he was doing his extremely positive thing. And he was like, just if you know, if you look at all of these teams, these are teams we should be being. And I said, okay, fine. But then if we're beating them, so are all the other teams. And and so I kind of moved a few things around and then kind of stood back and looked at it and thought, oh my God, I've got us on exactly the same points as Arsenal. I've somehow managed to come up with like the most terrifying scenario of all <laughs> where it ends on goal difference. Um, but like, honestly, if it, if it did end up going on goal difference, I think we'd do it because we're suddenly scoring goals again. Mm. Um, and they're, even though they're, they're being quite um, efficient, they're winning a lot of games. They're not winning any of them by more than one goal. Like the last time they did that, you have to go back to December. So, wow. yeah, so exactly. So that's actually quite positive. Um, the thing is, ultimately, I've given us like loads of wins and I've given them loads of wins. I don't think that's really going to be how it plays out. Like we, we could and should beat all of those teams except for Liverpool um, I don't think we will. I think there's definitely, you know, at least one potential, like, hilariously embarrassing result in there for us. So, yeah. So, Tom's the only person out of the five of us that have us down to lose um, another game aside from Liverpool away. So, we've all thought the Liverpool away is a sort of forget it game. Um, so, almost a free hit. Everyone says that's a defeat. Tom, the only game you've said otherwise we're going to lose is Leicester at home. Listen, I I just think we're going to lose more than one of those final nine. I mean, it's pretty fair. Not, to I don't. I don't that. have particularly strong feelings that Leicester will be the one. Um, they're one of the stronger sides we've still got to play, but I I just think we're going to lose more than one of that bunch. To be honest with you, um, I really enjoyed going above United yesterday. Um, for the first time in a while. That was really enjoyable. I've got a particularly annoying United mate. Um, <laughs> so I texted him the table and he said, well, it doesn't matter if you, what, what does it matter if you finish fifth or sixth? You know, it's maybe a million pounds in prize money or something. 
And I said, do you know why it matters? Because you've spent a fucking fortune. You've got Ronaldo. You've got Sancho. You spent 50 million on Harry Maguire. You've got Cavani, Varane. Like, their team on paper is insane, isn't it? Marcus Rashford, um, their squad and team on paper is crazy. Whereas, you know, as we've said quite a lot, at least at the moment, we've got a first 11 and not much else. Mm. Um, so I think it's amazing on this predictor that we've um, we've gone through and everyone's got United finishing in sit. I, I think I predicted Arsenal also to lose, lose two, um, the same as yeah. us. I just, I'm really, I just can't face it at the moment. They're just not dropping points at all, Arsenal, mm. and they haven't for ages and it's really upsetting. So, yeah, I think... Fifth is what we're destined for. I was quite shocked when I was doing it that I had a sort of, I mean, I've got us winning everything apart from losing at Liverpool and then I've got us drawing at Villa, but winning the other one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, which sort of even saying out loud feels a bit ludicrous considering how up and down we've been in this calendar year. Um, guys we've just won two games in a row anything's possible that's true that's true (laughs) and we're scoring goals by the bucket load so it might be absolutely fine now but I was like oh I've got this like this ridiculously positive sort of set of results I'm being way overconfident here surely we'll finish like we'll finish fourth by about six points or something and even then and I've only got Arsenal losing or two games actually I've, I've Scotland dropping a fair few amount of points but they to overtake them we're basically going to have to be nearly perfect and hope that they do you know that we beat them which you know is a terrifying idea that could just be this like straight shootout for fourth if the Premier League do leave it as late as they seem like they're going to and then yeah we're kind of hoping that Chelsea beat them at Stamford Bridge which you know I guess on paper they'd be favourites They've got United at home, which you would hope United could go and they could draw perhaps. Everyone apart from me actually thinks that that will be a draw. I've got Arsenal winning that. Southampton away, maybe that's one of those games where Southampton have one of their good games. I don't know. Ash, how are you feeling about it, having done this? Not great. Not great <laughs> at all. Like I think, like you said, like we have to win in so many games and yeah. we have to beat Arsenal. Mm. Ultimately, like we just have to win that game. Um, I think I had us down to draw that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if I change that one result to a win, like we'd be equal on points. I think on like seventy-one, and then it would be goal difference. So welcome, think, yeah, it, welcome, Ash. <laughs> what are you two doing? I'm stop great stop manifesting this. Um, but yeah, like I think either way, it's going to sort of go down to the last like game or two. Um, and my nerves are going to be gone by like May. It's going to be really, really, really tight. Um, yeah, I'm very worried. It's um, assuming that they don't put the derby sort of maybe midweek before the final game. It's, yeah, the last couple of games, Arsenal have got Newcastle away and then Everton at home. You'd imagine Everton maybe last day are going to be sort of thrashing around needing something perhaps we've got Burnley at home and Norwich away and I guess Burnley could 
probably be in a similar position or maybe both those teams are relegated by then who knows but this is I guess the point right Billy that you just don't know even now quite how sort of desperate certain teams are going to be for points or as we even saw with Villa on the weekend against Arsenal who looked completely on the beach to me like playing those teams between sort of like 8th and 12th once again to April and May is kind of the perfect situation because they just don't give a shit yeah, I, I was literally about to say that about Villa, who looked a really decent side at some certain points in the season, but on Saturday they were absolutely awful. I thought they would get something from that game, to be honest. I do think there's a chance that Palace might get something this uh, next game as well. Um, but then you look at some things, like you just can't really predict the factors. Like I think Newcastle, when they play Arsenal at home, they, they I think they're the, I think that, I think they're the second informed team at the league at the moment. Newcastle, I think they've won like five out of the last six or something like that. Um, so they only lost uh, against Everton that was their first loss in five or six games so mm. by the time that that game comes around they could be banging form um, Everton could be fighting for their lives but, uh, and conversely when we play like Brighton Brighton don't really have anything to play for at all at the moment um, so that's coming around at a good time you just you, you never know what's going to happen with these sort of games and I think there'll be a lot of twists and turns so I, I've, I've predicted us eight wins I don't really believe that but I just think <laughs> as a football fan if you can't like if you can't dream at this point now after that then What's the point of even thinking about it? Like we've got to we've got to have some hope. I think the reason why it could happen is because at the moment, and I think it's happened since maybe the last two or so months. Harry Kane has just been by a quite a long distance the best player in the league at the moment. I think like every single game he's sort of taken by the scruff of the neck. Um, I know he didn't have the best game against Man United, but you know since that, I think that maybe since that Man City game in particular, um, he's just gone up another level. I think he's got ten goals and assists since Kulug was signed, and. Um, I think he the form that he's in at the moment he could he could really carry us over the line. And another thing as well is the one game week with Conte is just it's lethal. Like we we don't yeah. tend to lose we we tend to pretty much win every single game where we've got a week's preparation with Conte, and also hopefully skip coming back just at the right time as well um, could carry us home. So who knows? We might actually do it. We might do it. But then you know our form has been terrible this season. So who knows? But you got you got a dream. Yeah, and I think we've got. Uh, you know, the last two games have given us like a lot of, yeah, a lot to dream about really. But do you know what the like West Ham like proved to me what I, I already knew that unless you are one of the like, you know, the really big boys in the league, it is impossible to challenge for more than like one competition at any given time. Like you can't, you can't do it in Europe and in the league. Like they were knackered the way that we've mm. always, like, do you remember there was, like our form after every European game was like terrible. And we just, we couldn't do it. Like we managed that like one amazing run in the Champions League and we just scraped into fourth as well that year, right? It's just impossible. And that's why Arsenal have managed it this year because they've been in no competitions. They had that um, League Cup run, fine, but that was over so early. And then after that, they've that, that's from that, from that point on, that's been, when they've been winning games. So we're sort of we've been a bit unlucky because it's just taken us so much longer to kind of get our act together so we may be starting too far back now but if if what billy says is right and then somebody like a player like harry kane can give you that extra boost i don't know like i looked at it and it's just like okay arsenal are beating the teams they should be beating but they do have like three games against opposition that they're not necessarily going to beat whereas we technically only have one I mean obviously mm. we are going to lose more than the Liverpool game but really 
Yeah, I, I also think as well that Arsenal squad is the youngest squad in the league and they're really light up front. And I think like if anything was to go wrong in terms of like injuries, they just might lose their heads and they're always sort of like one or two sendings off away um, from like a full meltdown as well. So, and I thought Xhaka was like quite lucky even on Saturday. I like watched some of that game to like not be booked like and have a sending off. So I don't know, it's, it is going to be tight, but I just hope like the experience of like Son, Kane, like Benton cause only like, 25 26 but like has like won like loads of league titles like mm. i just think we've got a bit more experience than them and we've been there yeah a lot of these players have been there before in a top four race it's kind of wild isn't it like normally or back in the day it was always we were the sort of young scrappy team that didn't really have the experience of these sort of down to the wire top four races and arsenal were always able yeah. to hold us off whereas now we're the sort of slightly kind of elder statesman of this which is bonkers Billy yeah I remember I don't know who it was I can't remember um, someone I saw someone tweet a while back I think it was when we lost one of the games that when the third goal it went in at Man United um, when we lost them at home um, when, we, when that third goal went in I don't think a single fan would have been thinking about top four at all this season um, so the fact that we're into the last home stretch of the season and we're still in the race we've got a you know we're underdogs. We got we got a chance of it. Is is pretty crazy, really. And it just like, say for example, we finish fifth or sixth, which is an improvement on last season. Back in Europa, I just think we'll be in such a good position next year. I'm, I have no doubt that if we had Conte all season, we'd be in the top four. Like, you know, I don't. I really don't doubt that whatsoever. Um, so I think you know whatever happens, if we keep Conte, given the players that he wants, we're going to be all right next season. Um, probably pushing for top four and even more. So, you know. From where we where we've come from this season under Nuno to where we are now, I think we've we've really improved a lot. Yeah, I think the reality is is that we just to say like Paul Conte has had a lot. Oh wait, sorry. Conte's had a lot of work to do, like more than he thought, probably more than we thought as well. Because although we've spent like a good couple of years like complaining about the team, I think we didn't really realise what a state they were in until now. Mm. We see how they can play. Like the rot had set in quite badly, hadn't it? And even though Conte gave us that initial lift, like it's taken him until now, I think, to really, really get it sorted. I'm just, I'm hoping that that vibe in the stadium is just sort of lift off for that team and the relationship between the team and the crowd again, because I think you needed some, it needed a bit of a patch up after particularly that, that Southampton Wolves week where it was just so grim. And again, like no one left the stadium after that Wolves game thinking that we were going to get anywhere. Even Wolves at that point were like, you know, I felt like they were going to finish miles ahead of us. And the fact that we are going into this international break and going into the sort of final stretch now, suddenly off the back of these two pretty good wins, hopefully as a team on the up with fans that sort of believe in the team again and fans that are excited about watching the team, you know, it's 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 a better position to be in than I think any of us thought we were going to be in, you know, even a week ago. It's mad that the United game was only, was that like barely a week back. It's in, this season's insane. Um, Tom, Ash, have we convinced you to amend your uh, predictions? Tom, are you still pretty steadfast that Spurs are going to be? I mean, Tom, you, you've got us five points back from Arsenal. Have I? Wow. Um <laughs> 
Okay, maybe I was being overly pessimistic. I'm quite, I'm quite hungover. I should have, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should have been more optimistic. Um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, like I said, Arsenal just aren't dropping points. Also, I forgot to mention Pogba. Like United have everyone. Okay, uh, sorry, I'm enjoying it. Uh, but, but also, what's annoying is that they didn't play that well the other day and and beat us. So, um, yeah, let's enjoy United being massively underperforming before Poch goes there any minute now and it is um it's wild when I was I was doing some like research in inverted commas for this little bit and I was reading I was double checking the United fixtures and was there was like a Manchester Evening News piece looking at their run-in and you kind of forget through which lens you talk about this it completely changes and as far as United are concerned, it's like them versus Arsenal. And we're basically like, even though we've now gone above them, I think they just see it as like an almost straight shootout between them and Arsenal for fourth. And, you know, Arsenal probably don't think that just because of the rivalry and everything and how terrified they'll be of us overtaking them. But it's kind of mad that we're not really thinking about United, but they're probably their memory of us is like us collapsing at theirs last week. So they're probably like, why should we be scared of those idiots? Like they're not going <laughs> yeah, to overtake I, I us. Think, I think if you're a United fan, you're probably looking at like the Arsenal Spurs game and like thinking we're going to cancel each other out and they're going to just like come through and like nick top four from both of us. And all the Arsenal fans I'm like speaking to or seeing online think that they've got top four like in the bag already and that's done. So I would absolutely love to just like still top four, like on the last day from them. Like I, I'll be absolutely unbearable. Um, Go on, Ash, and- give us your best Keegan. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, I'll install all, my, all social media back onto my phone just to destroy <laughs> every Arsenal fan and friend. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really up for it if it happens. We deserve it, to be honest. Do you know? Do you know what my like? dream is so do you remember um in 2012 and we were going to theirs for north london derby and we were like seven points we were like seven or ten points ahead of them at that time and we could have gone like 10 or 13 points and then obviously we lost five two and it was utterly humiliating and then from then we just fell away completely and they like rose inexorably to overtake us i want that to happen to them I think that I was feel- a negative spiral, wasn't it? Yeah. The negative yeah. spiral year. Oh, yeah. God. Or was that? No, but I think the negative spiral deserve- year, that was after we won, I think. We'd won a derby 2-1. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he was like, yeah, AVB right. was giving it all to Arsenal. And then that was basically like the last time we won for like a month or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because no, this, this was under Redknapp. This was Redknapp's like last. Like we went from you know, Harry Redknapp, we will pay your taxes. Oh, that was the Chelsea Champions League season, it was wasn't that it? Season. Where we did yeah, finish so we fourth, finished fourth, but, but it didn't yeah. matter because we had to finish third. And I uh, like to to me that moment, the North London Derby, that's when it all changes and it all goes horribly wrong. And I, you know, and all of the build up to it was like, oh Tottenham now the like top team in North London. Oh. And I know, I know, just like exactly like just like makes you feel ill to think about it. But do you know what? It's our turn to have that. It's our turn. And we've not really had it in all the years that we finished above them. Arsenal have never, like, we, we've never overtaken them because they've collapsed or anything, unless I'm forgetting the year. It's always just been like, we've sort of been pretty much head and shoulders better than them. 
and they've been like scrapping around in like seventh or eighth or whatever. Um, so yeah, it would be it would be so beautiful, wouldn't it? And oh my god, imagine Conte like if oh if just I I, I allow myself build the statue, yeah, <laughs> just to like if that game does get scheduled at a time where we're in like touching distance of them or we can sort of overtake them or something that the atmosphere in that stadium is just going to be like, I mean, I, I would, I would worry about the, like the, the sort of cardiac health of at least 50% of that crowd. And I include probably like most of us on this, on this chat right now. Like, I don't know if I would be able to cope. Um, don't worry. I won't be there. I was just like, <laughs> I'll dig myself a hole somewhere and hide until you tell me it's safe to come out. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Tom, I'm not sure how you and Linton would, would cope with that. I, I, uh, I Yeah, I nearly had a heart attack at West Ham, so Arsenal, that would be horrible, yeah. <laughs> but, but fun, potentially fun. Um, high let's risk, on. high reward. Let's, just... let's... Oh, Rosa, for God's sake, more. Sorry, more just one more, one more thing. Stress us out further. <laughs> no, no more stresses. <laughs> I just feel like I want to take a moment to like dedicate that West Ham win to Tom, who has suffered a lot this season. I feel like you needed it more than any of us. I hate them so much. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, so many annoying West Ham fans. And I didn't even give them that much shit yesterday either because I was just like over the moon. And I think one of them did say, oh, we should have... Um, Oh, we were knackered, you know, which is, they probably were, but whatever. What a great win. Just need them to get knocked out of the Europa as soon as possible Please, now. Because just the idea that like Arsenal could finish fourth, Chelsea obviously finished in the top four and West Ham win the Europa. So Arsenal, Chelsea and West Ham all end up in the Champions League next season. I need like, if it's not Leon, then it's got to be Barcelona just to like, put them away because this can't go on for much longer thank you for my nightmares <laughs> <laughs> i think my favorite thing was seeing them on twitter yesterday trying to like justify it by saying that we are jealous of them being in the quarterfinal of the europa league fine quarterfinal <laughs> of the europa league game it's like we literally used to throw those on purpose like when we had Pochettino, like that's the kind of game we play like tom carroll and against dortmund and like go out literally on purpose um and we were we were in the champions league final like two three years ago it's like they're trying to hold that above us. Like, oh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like mental gymnastics. It's mad, isn't it? Like the, the amount of West Ham fans I saw seemingly with a straight face talking about that game being our cup final. Like, I, I don't know how, to, how much more we can, what more we can do to convince West Ham. And I know how that How do you spell sort of, projection? Like West just, Ham. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, they are such a distant third in our list of rivalries that I just, it's like you can't reason with them because it's so stupid that there's just no I mean there's no point reasoning with anyone on Twitter anyway but that's also why it was kind of annoying that it was a six pointer yesterday as well yeah we, we went above them by beating them which you know that doesn't happen often usually they're below us when we play them so that was super sweet and they've still got a game in hand and they're clearly out of the run running of the top four now yeah I didn't realize that we yeah we've got that game in hand on them still haven't we so we can go further ahead of them it's yeah hope and the way that Moyes was talking it's like he's sort of throwing the towel in I think on top four they're just going to like rest their players ahead of Europa League games I imagine now um, anyway right we've done that I think uh, we all deserve a stiff drink after putting ourselves through that torment um, 
hopefully not needing a stiff drink after the week they've got coming up are Spurs women who face a pretty tough, uh, in fact, I would say probably the toughest week imaginable in uh, the WSL. They play Chelsea away uh, midweek and then go to the Emirates on Saturday for a North London derby, which is the first time that Arsenal have hosted um, a North London derby at the Emirates, I think. Um, Rosa, I mean, I guess any sort of like point from those two games would be an enormous sort of success, right? Yeah, I feel like it's a, that's an absolutely brutal week and I feel quite like I want to lodge a formal complaint. I don't, you know, I feel slightly <laughs> like tinfoil about it because <laughs> it just seems like to have to play both those teams and both away just seems like ridiculously unfair. With no gap either, like with without no sounding yeah, like Mikel like, Arteta. Like why, yeah. <laughs> why is that like in the middle of the week? Do they yeah. like, I feel like there's barely any midweek games in like the WSL either. Like, yeah, because the league's not that big and yeah. it kind of runs the whole course of the, like, it's the full season. So it seems completely unnecessary. Yeah. It feels like a weird, like harsh and unusual punishment. Um, But so, but it is just, honestly, both of those games are like a massive free hit, to be honest. Like we're not expecting anything out of them. If we get even a point from either of those games, I think it'll be amazing. And really, like, again, if we're just talking about teams just exceeding expectations, like, they've already done it. And, you know, if we can just kind of keep any damage to a minimum, I guess, that's, that. honestly, that's good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. I think particularly that, um, that game at the Emirates, you just don't want it to end up being, you know, some sort of Arsenal running riot in front of a huge crowd because that could, that could get ugly. But I think... Every time I have worried about Spurs women in those sort of occasions, they've ended up at the very least like showing themselves to be a very well-organised sort of committed team that just don't get turned over like that. So fingers crossed and Godspeed Spurs women will be... Yeah, uh, thoughts will be and prayers. Um, I, think they'll, <laughs> I think they'll love it, to be honest. I feel like it's one of those weeks where like we like are so frightened of as fans, but the actual players are really up for it and they really love it. They'll really mm. want this, you know, they're like playing it, you know, in the top flight. It's what they've all been working towards for years. So, you know, and they'll want to they'll want to play at Emirates as well, I reckon. Yeah. They'll be so yeah. up for it. And you're right, they're really well organized, good defensively. So um, why not really? Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, let's move on to culture, guys. Um, Tom, give us your culture pick, please. I have have had my mother-in-law staying with me, so I haven't really watched any TV besides really non-committal stuff like Dragons. Why Den. is that, Tom? Why don't you watch TV when your mother-in-law's staying with you? Well, no, just because you like you can't really. I mean, she talks a lot for a start, <laughs> but also um, you can't really concentrate. You're like you're halfway into a box set, and you're like, I just want to. You can't. You don't want to have to tell her the backstory of the of the series. There'd be a lot of questions. So I've only watched really non-committal stuff like Dragon's Den. And I do love Dragon's Den. And I do you're a bit of a yeah, you're a bit of a OG sort of den. Oh, 
I've been there. Right? I've been there through it all, through every dragon. Um, and there's a lot of people <laughs> that have come back to it recently because of Stephen Bartlett, the sort of 28 year old social media influencer dragon. And I'm like, I've been here the whole time, guys, through like all of the weird dragons that they've had. Um, Tage was the one that Stephen replaced, and he was quite boring. Made his money in uh, vitamin pills. Anyway. Dragon's Den's been good. There's been some interesting investments. Deborah Meaden is... Um, is Deborah still going? She's still there. De Debs is still there. She did a Desert Island Disc recently, came across oh. for a while. She's vegan and uh, was great on Strictly Come Dancing. And a lot of her investments now are uh, in very green businesses. Uh, she's very into the environment. <laughs> anyway, what I actually wanted to recommend was much cooler than uh, Dragon's Den. <laughs> I think we might end it there, Tom. Thanks ever so much. Um, <laughs> um, What's cooler than dragons? Come on now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Peter Jones is very cool, obviously. He invested in Levi, Levi Roots for a start. Um, <laughs> I, I know a lot about Dragon's Dead. But much cooler is the new song by Joy Orbison. And I know he released an album quite recently and a lot of you guys were into it. Um, we're all big rave heads on this podcast, as you know. Um, I kind of, I, I, maybe I need to give the album a few more listens because I, I, I dipped into it and thought it was kind of bubbly and nice, but nothing massively grabbed me. But this new track, Pinky Ring, is like a total banger. I think it just came out last week uh, and it's really upfront and yeah, really, really good. He's such a good producer and I really need to hear that song out, played loud somewhere in the summer in a field or whatever. Um, but I am also 37 with two kids, so who knows if that bit will happen. But until then, it's in my headphones. I have faith, Tom. You will find a tent somewhere this summer where we will... Rockwell, Rockwell Park, I think. He's playing that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. There you go. Rosa will take you. I've got field day tickets. I think he might be on the field day, Bill. I've got tickets to that with Craftwork and Chemical Brothers headlining. Perfect. Um, Rosa, let's bounce over to you. What have you got? Um, yeah, I've had a pretty uh, low-key cultural week as well. I The only thing I've watched this week has been Starstruck, which is that, like, cute-as-hell Rose Matafeo rom-com where she, like, falls in love with a super handsome actor. And I think, like, season two just came out, like, a couple of weeks ago, but I've only just caught up on season one I watched like the whole thing in like two nights because it is like so adorable like I'm a big rom-com fan and like a really good rom-com is like gold dust they are mm. like so few and far between and this I don't think I don't feel like any of the kind of extraneous stuff really works to be honest like she lives in a house that's like much too nice for her to afford <laughs> her flatmates like I don't know, they're meant to be like best friends, but I don't feel like she's very nice. Like it just, just like the whole vibe doesn't really work for me. But the central romance is like full on adorable. They're so cute together. I'm rooting for them like so hard. I'll Like if anything happens to break them up, I'll be absolutely devastated. So they're just completely adorable together. And it's just what I've really needed in my life and have been missing. And I didn't know it until this week. Yeah, I absolutely love that show, man. I just... um. I just like put it on. I watched the first series. I really liked it. And then I, I put it on the other night. Just wanted something. I think it was on like a Sunday night. 
And I ended up just watching the whole series in one. It's it's so good. Like it is really really good. It's just so easy to watch. And like you say, the two together are just amazing. I, I, yeah, I absolutely. I literally watched it all in one one go. Proper good. She's so like, good. Their chemistry is so good. They're so believable. Like you totally get that these are just like two random people who met and they like like each other so much. Like honestly, it makes my heart sing. Can she I be might. honest? I I really I love her. But I don't buy him being a same. Tom, I'm glad I was going to say that. I I think I that quite I like the romance. Together, I, I don't buy him as like a Hollywood star. No, can no. I can I interject here with that is one of the things that doesn't work for me because they're not consistent with how famous he's meant to be. Yeah. So sometimes there's paparazzi everywhere, and other times he can just be sitting on a London bus and no one notices him. So it's like they haven't really decided what level of fame he's at. But it's fun, like, just, for I me in terms of like, off. I don't know, like maybe I'm using like power. Julia Roberts in Notting Hill as my sort yeah, of that's the unrealistic level. Yeah. But like, uh, and she was basically playing Julia Roberts, who is one of the world's most famous women. But he just doesn't give off like Hollywood superstar to me. He gives but off like, I mean. like bloke from EastEnders. Yeah. Like incredibly good looking bloke, from, like yeah, yeah, no yeah. One oh, he's, yeah. And he's a, like he's that. good, he's now. a good actor. Yeah, um, but this I just is the think most in terms of podcast has ever got. <laughs> <laughs> I love them, and I would not let you take this away from me. Um, <laughs> I just feel like that. Yeah, the premise doesn't hold up in that way, but what holds up is their relationship and their chemistry, and that's all I really want. Like that's so hard to yeah. come by. Like people, two people who just look like they really like each other is actually quite rare in telly i think she is in um, um such a good film as well called baby uh baby done i don't know if you've seen it where um it's, it's set in new zealand and um it's got um neville from harry potter as like the romantic lead and that guy is such a fucking glow up man he he looks <laughs> like a proper proper a-list like heartthrob romantic comedy heartthrob it's, so, it's it's a well good film well worth checking out she's amazing that as well. i've seen it kirsty was out one night and i watched it on my own uh if that's a rom-com but it uh it's like a little new zealand indie film isn't it she's so good in it and i realize they've just put her stand-up show horndog back on iplayer um and it's really i've never actually seen her stand-up is it good no i've not either o- honestly it's very very good although you know she was with James Acaster for quite a long time. So Oh when, shit, really? I didn't yeah, know so that. When, I was little... In one of his shows he talks a lot about an ex, and that's Rose Matafeo. And no in, way. Yeah, and in Horn Dog Her Show, she talks about an ex and it's James Acaster. Um, um Emily, my wife, said that James Acaster doesn't speak very politely about her in his stand up. Is that true? Yeah. Um yeah, it's not Without, I'm really throwing my wife under the bus there. It's just like talking shit about James Acaster. No, like, I don't think you like James Acaster, so it doesn't bother me. Okay. I'm a fan we'll of him both, and it's quite, it's quite awkward. Yeah, he's the king of podcasts. Good, I've listened to, I've, I've heard all of his like stand-ups about his ex. I did not realise that was her. Yeah, man, yeah. that's weird. Did not but, uh, her show, um, yeah, on iPlayer, her stand-up show, Horndog, is really, really good. I'm going to check that out. Do you know what it is for me? I actually don't really like stand-up, to be honest. I can't really, like, it's such a specific comedy form where you're just, like, you're just meant to kind of laugh all the time. I find it quite, like, stressful. I'd rather, like, I'm just very much, like, I, I want to watch, like, a comedy film or a sitcom where there's not a beat where it's, like, laugh now, audience. I just, it's too much. Too much I don't pressure. need that pressure. Yeah, I don't need it. <laughs> I I'm a first I've got more than enough. 
For a horrible second, Rosa, I thought you were going to say you don't like women in stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> just, just be like... Turns out all of stand-up. And that's Yeah, that would be like my kind of cry for help, where you'd be like, Rosa has been kidnapped. <laughs> I don't like women doing stuff. <laughs> I can't believe that. Uh, uh, that's a bit like when Michael Owen tweeted that he doesn't like films. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm massive. I, oh, I quit this, I quit this podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> Rose has been compared to Michael Owen. <laughs> it's literally the most brutal takedown. <laughs> okay, so you know the scene in Starstruck where she's like, write down loads of things you don't like about me and she thinks it's going to be funny and it's really horrible. You've literally just done that to me. With one. <laughs> I will protect stand-up at all costs. I have, I'm obsessed with stand-up. Rose are out. <laughs> um, Ash, give me, <laughs> give, me, give me your pick, please. Um, like everyone else, I haven't really watched anything. The only thing I've watched is um, that Drive to Survive thing on Netflix, which is really difficult to watch because... Is that the Formula One thing? Yeah, watching sort of Jerry Halliwell and Christian Horner like <laughs> pretend to act... Um, and they're just both so odious and awful it's just very hard Um, but there is like a club night that I recommend and it's every Monday night at Colour Factory um, in Hackney Wick which um, every young and very cool person tells me is amazing and it's based just like a jazz night um, and it's really really good and is where all the sort of like young like London jazz scene are like performing every week uh, so it's called Origam, um, and yeah, it's every Monday at eight pm. It's worth checking out if you're not doing this podcast. Mondays, I feel I feel personally <laughs> attacked. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Again, <laughs> you are usually at a stand up night, then Rosa. You know me so well. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting lots of different picks, though. This is good. Um, I'm going to do mine quickly. Um, I'm going to recommend Turning Red, which has just come on to Disney Plus. Um, that, was, that, in... that was mine. That was mine as well. Oh, sorry, Billy. So good. Um, you stole it from. I feel like I yeah, I got there first, and I've watched it 900 times thanks to my daughter. So I feel like I literally have nothing else to say. Um, so, set in 2002 Toronto, it's about a brilliant sort of nerdy Chinese American Chinese Canadian girl rather called Mei Lin, who thanks to a family curse discovers one day that she transforms into a massive red panda when she's feeling certain strong emotions. Um, it's the first Pixar film to be directed by a woman, um, Dome Shai, who I think I've just completely pronounced incorrectly. Um, my wife tells me that she's not seen uh, an animated film, let alone one put out by Disney, that captures the sort of growing pains of being a teenage girl like it before. And... Um, we've both agreed that it has just the most amazing music. Um, the score is by Ludwig Göransson. It's really, really beautiful, but it's the music by the film's fictional boy band that May Lin and her friends are obsessed with that sort of steals the entire film, really. Um, the band is called Four Town, even though there are five of them. Um, and they're a sort of an incredible early noughties boy band um, whose music was written by Phineas and Billie Eilish. Um, Phineas plays one of the band members too. There's a song in it that they do called uh, Nobody Like You, which is so perfect and just absolutely incredible that you just can't believe it wasn't like a huge NSYNC hit or whatever. They, The two of them, Phineas and Billy, have just like nailed that sort of late 90s, early noughties sort of pop 
so so beautifully that it's it's brilliant um yeah we had a week off work both of us last week and our daughter ended up being quite ill so we had this film literally on repeat uh and i can't recommend it enough it's brilliant um billy was it a hit at your household as well then yeah i i was doing some work on friday night and i just put it on and i i, I sort of had it on in the background but i ended up just like watching the whole thing obsessively like it just got me from from even like minute one like, i'm a big pixar fan anyway and i just really like the way that they've had like they've gone from making like these incredible successful mainstream children's films like up and finding nemo etc and then they just thought right we're just going to go off the absolute rails now and they've made like uh inside out soul and now this they've just gone totally like bold in their choice of what they're going to do and they're just like pushing all sorts of boundaries i think it's, it's really really good what they're doing yeah i absolutely loved it um was there a right, better right. era than like late 90s early noughts pop i went to get my nails done the other day and in the nail salon they were just doing it was back-to-back britney and backstreet boys every song an absolute banger I think the fact that on this show we've spent so much time talking about Girls 5 Ever and now I think that Turning Red is going to become and uh, Tom and Rosa particularly with your kids if you haven't seen it yet I would definitely definitely recommend watching it. I tried to get them to watch it this weekend and they only wanted to watch the trailer but like on repeat I've seen the trailer (laughs) literally 50 times. It's a good trailer. Should we watch the film now? Yeah. (laughs) But we're working up to it. Um, and I need some other songs in the household other than We Don't Talk About Bruno so and the other it's, songs from Encanto. So it'd be good if my daughter would request something else. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, I, also, oh, I also wanted to shout out Charlie XCX, uh, mainly because her album I saw is Leading the Midweeks and it would be her first number one album. And she is one of my favourite interviewees ever and is just terrific. And I really hope that she gets a number one album with Crash. So buy and stream Crash because it's also really, really good. Um, Billy, I'm sorry that I stole your film pick. Um, what else you got? I got a couple others in the bank as well. Kind of following on from what Tom was saying, um, Overmono got another track out as well. I think it came out on the 8th of March called Gunk, which is, um, and both Joyo and Overmono are both like absolute experts in getting these like ridiculous vocal samples and like chopping them up. And this one um, has got an incredible vocal sample and it's just like, it's got some sort of all sorts of emphasis, a bit like garage and a bit of trance thrown in there as well. Um, so that's really good. And then my other one is a bit shameless, but I put it on when I was working, walking to work this morning and I technically wasn't involved, so it's all right to say it. But I thought the the episode with Rob, the commentator, the Spurs TV commentator, was absolutely amazing that you did, Charlie. Um, it's just like such a fascinating listen. I, I get really into that kind of stuff anyway. Um, like my mate Steve bought me, uh, when I moved house, he bought me like a moving in present. He bought me one of those like um commentary preparation sheets that Clive Tilsey does did it for the IX game bought me that that was amazing present um and then I, I don't know if you saw like Peter Drury did like a TikTok recently where he did like the day in the life of a commentator that was really good but listening to to Rob talk about like the ins and outs of being a Spurs commentator I found absolutely fascinating um I know it's a bit shameless but I highly recommend that if you haven't listened to that episode go back and check it out because the stuff that he says about Spurs is just like behind the scenes really really interesting so I absolutely love that episode and also he's like I really enjoyed like, his culture stuff as well. He's definitely one of us, I think. Definitely one of us, yeah. Um, he was terrific. And yeah, again, it's even more shameless for me to recommend that episode of Hometown Glory, but do, because Rob's just such an interesting, really funny guy who has, uh, has sort of really just 
become part of the fabric of how we support Spurs, really. Like those, as he says on the podcast, he, he's sort of keenly aware that what he says over these goals will kind of live on for decades because it tends to be the the club commentary that we all watch on social media and everything, you know, even like all or nothing. That's it's his commentary that's across all of it. So, um, yeah, really, really thrilled to have him on and a terrific guest who's welcome back anytime. So do give that a listen if you've not managed to yet. Um, it was interesting as well because he was talking about like how I found it really interesting when he was talking about how when you have a co-commentator, when it goes to the replay, um, they you go you hand over to the co-commentator and they do the tactics. And he was saying, because he's first TV commentator, he has to do both of them themselves. And I just went back and watched his Bergwijn goal. And it, it went, as soon as it goes to the replay, it goes into like this tactical mode. It's really interesting to see like how mm. it works as like a solo commentator as opposed to like um, having a co-commentator. So like every time you listen to him, if you look when it goes to a replay, he'll, he'll go into like the tactical stuff, which I, you know, I didn't really ever realise that as you're watching live. But when he, when he goes up like, behind the scenes, it gives you that sort of window into what it's actually like to be a commentator. He also says the, the funny thing about being a club commentator and doing it solo is you instinctively make sort of little jokes occasionally during commentary and there's no one to laugh at your jokes. So you just end up sort of chuckling away to yourself and very much worrying that you're going insane. Um, well, he now he now might have Paul, Paul Coit back near him to laugh at his jokes. We know he was back this week. He was back, yeah. Um, a very popular decision uh, that I think most of the crowd felt. Um, yeah, we've got a whole host of people at the stadium now. It's a real, like, because sort of Rob and Ben and Milesy do the sort of N17 stuff pitch side before the game now. And then, yeah, Paul Coit's back at half time with the sort of old heroes. So, yeah, a full a full slate of entertainment for us all. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say here because I can't I really can't we can't talk about Paul Coy because just don't ask is... Ash his opinion that's all <laughs> no, I... um, anyway uh, that's an episode of Hometown Glory in the bag thank you ever so much it's lovely to have a full house again um, and yeah I feel like we've really been on a a roller coaster of emotions during this episode. So thank you very much if you managed to stick with that roller coaster the whole way through. Um, Tom, Rosa, Ash and Billy, thank you very much for your company as always. Um, this has been Hometown Glory and Billy, see us home please. Up the Spurs. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.